Our scripture reading this morning is from the book of Genesis, chapters 26, verses 1 through 11. Isaac and Abimelech. Now there was a famine in the land, besides the previous famine in Abraham's time. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, in Gerar. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. Stay in this land for a while, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and your descendants I will give all these lands and will confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and will give them all these lands. And through your offsprings, all nations on earth will be blessed because Abraham obeyed me and did everything I required of him, keeping my commands, my decrees, and my instructions. So Isaac stayed in Gerar. When the men of that place asked him about his wife, he said, she is my sister, because he was afraid to say, she is my wife. He thought, the men of this place might kill me on account of Rebekah, because she is beautiful. When Isaac had been there a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked down from a window and saw Isaac caressing his wife, Rebekah. So Abimelech summoned Isaac and said, She is really your wife. Why did you say she is my sister? Isaac answered him, Because I thought I might lose my life on account of her. Then Abimelech said, What is this you have done to us? One of the men might well have slept with your wife, and you would have brought guilt upon us. So Abimelech gave orders to all the people. Anyone who harms this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Well, good morning, church. And welcome to those online. Hello to you as well. And uh, it is great to be in worship with you here today. We are uh, having a good time here today because it is snowing. Woohoo! Uh, well, it's not done snowing, I should say, but it feels like it. Round two. Welcome to Ohio, right? And so we're excited about that. But I looked at the forecast, people. I saw like 50s and 60s with some rain. That's fine. We'll take the rain, right? What I'm saying, 50s and 60s is coming. Hallelujah. Amen, right? Yeah, so we're excited about that. Well, we are continuing a sermon series. Woohoo! We'll try it again. That was those not that wasn't quite up to par there. We're continuing a sermon series. Woo! That's right. And uh, we're so excited about that because you know what? You probably heard the scripture this morning, and if you listened to last week, you probably go, now, wait a minute. Did we just did we just preach on that last week? Thank you for paying attention here this morning. All right, let's go to the Lord in a time of prayer. Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, our sermon series is one called Family Pictures Not Posted on Social Media, and we're looking at different people of the Bible. And of course, uh, if you're ever on social media, I assume it's still true today, but when I used to be on social media quite a lot, it was a thing to take your best pictures, put them up, and everybody likes them and hearts them and does all the things and shares them and writes all about them and all that stuff. But you never post all those ones that you're like, ooh, that was a bad hair day. 
or like that face in that moment, like, ooh, that was not a good one, or you know, when the kid was doing something bad, you don't post those, right? And so of course you're always presenting your best self online. And what's amazing about the Bible is it doesn't always present the best self. And in fact, you would think if it was just a bunch of people making it up back in the day, they would have done just that, right? They would be these larger-than-life humans that just never do wrong, but time and time again, the Bible records, oh yes, they're human, just like you and I. And so sometimes they're forced in hard situations, as we saw last week with Abraham. Well, this story comes from Genesis chapter 26. Now, that's very important to know, so I want you to keep the number 26 in your head, because that's the chapter this story takes place. And when you heard it, you probably thought to yourself, now wait a minute, we just heard that story. And in fact, last week, right, when you went to Genesis, earlier in Genesis, right, around Genesis chapter 12, that's exactly what happens to Abram, right? Except he goes down to Egypt, and it's Pharaoh that takes his wife. They tell them, hey, Pharaoh, I ever tell everybody, hey, I'm going to get killed if they know you're my wife, so instead of that, I'm going to tell everybody you're my sister. And of course, Pharaoh says, okay, takes the, the wife of Sarah and takes her, basically, and then all of a sudden, this, they start getting sick, they start having illness, somehow they inquire, and they find out that, wait a minute, this is really his wife, and Abraham gets sent away and leaves Egypt. And of course, uh, with that word, take of the wife, you kind of wonder if there's really something to Abraham, that his fear was actually true, that he was actually going to be killed in this time, in this era of places. And of course, as you hear this story here today, this is Abraham's son, Isaac, the son of the promise, right? One of the sons of, uh, of Abraham, but this is the son of the promise of God fulfilling God's work through a miraculous means that Sarah was able to have a son. And yet, he doesn't go to Egypt and when the famine happens. In his time, there's a famine that happens, and so he goes to a place called Gerar. That's kind of like southwestern Israel, kind of on the way to Mount, uh, like the Sinai Peninsula, if you want to think of it in your head. Kind of deserty, if you will, and uh, not necessarily the biggest place that the Egyptians wanted to come conquer and just put a foot down and stay there. They wanted to stay on the coast where the highway was, so they didn't really care too much about this. And so there's another little kingdom there, and so Abimelech is there in Gerar, and all of a sudden, Isaac says to his wife, Rebecca, hey, I'm going to tell everybody. Well, actually, he doesn't even say it to her. They come ask her about, that, about who Rebecca is, and he says, oh, that's my sister. Not my wife. Weak, weak, not my wife, right? And all of a sudden, everybody's got interest, right, in who she is. However, you might be surprised, because if you've never read the Bible book, you know, cover to cover, or just kind of straight through, or at least Genesis straight through, you might be surprised that of those two stories, that's not even it. There's a third story as well that takes place in uh, about Genesis chapter 20. So you have Genesis about chapter 12 with Abraham, and then in about Genesis chapter 20, you have uh, Abraham again. This time a famine in the land happens. Instead of going to Egypt, where he's been kicked out, he goes, guess where? To Gerar, where Isaac goes. You know, he goes there. And guess who's the king? Abimelech, <laughs> right? So get this story. So it happens once in Egypt. He goes again to Abimelech and Gerar because the famine in the land, and the Lord says, hey, don't leave this time and all that stuff. So he goes to the Abimelech, and he tells his wife Sarah again, and, you know, here's what we're going to do. And so sure enough, guess what happens? The king comes, finds out they're claiming, you know, that Sarah's again the sister, and the scripture says, takes her, right? And then all of a sudden, 
he starts finding out in a dream, God shows up and goes, uh-uh, nobody. You've done something bad. And play and like, I'm about to come get you and your land and wipe your nation out from the people. And Abimelech's like, I didn't know, I didn't know. And God goes, I know, that's why I'm not holding you accountable, but you're going to send this man on and then get this. He calls Abraham, God does, a prophet. This is my prophet. He says, you know, give him back the wife and bless him. And so that's exactly what Abimelech does. He gives him back Sarah and says, I'm sorry, 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 I didn't know, I didn't know. And why did you do that, you bad, bad person? But I'm so sorry, right? And you're a prophet, so he does these good things. He starts just giving him stuff, right, to try to make amends for this wrongdoing and starts giving Abraham all these items and things. And so uh, Abraham uh, then goes and he says, he's told, go and settle anywhere in this land because God's spoken to him, right? And so the, the king's kind of worried. And so Abraham goes and kind of starts selling around. So then the land that was promised to him, not only is he now not a foreigner anymore, all of a sudden it starts changing. He's actually been giving, granted access to stay in the land by the king of the area. And then you get to Isaac. Now, there was once a uh, uh, certain president of ours, and I'll say George W. Bush Jr., right? And uh, he was known for, uh, you know, a couple of different times when he gave speeches to sometimes trip up on his words. And George Bush, if you ever watch this, I love you public speaking all the time, I totally get this, and so I laugh with you, and I'm sure when you look back and you laugh on it too, but there was once he was trying to be, you know, in a, in a speech, try to be, uh, uh, what's the word I'm trying to look for, like, very persuasive and kind of tell a story, and so he says, he starts giving that thing, he says, you know what, fool me once, shame on, shame on you, fool me twice, you, you get fooled, you can't be fooled again, right? <laughs> you guys remember that quote? I love it to death. But that's exactly what happens to Abimelech in this moment. He sees Isaac come in, and I don't know if he remembers Isaac or not, because Abraham, you know, had him at the time. And so Isaac is there, and, uh, and so, uh, you know, his wife, Rebecca, is there. And instead of, as a scripture, what people seem to be doing back then is when the king and somebody came in and they were foreign, you just took their, their women. Like, if you want them, you just take them, right? And it doesn't actually happen this time, so he must have learned his lesson but he must have been keeping an eye out on her because he's looking down from the palace and sees Isaac caressing his quote-unquote sister. And he goes, well, I've been fooled once, not going to fool me again, right? So he calls Isaac to him and hears the story once again and is told through Isaac, you guys don't fear God at all, which is kind of funny, right? Like, because God spoke to Abimelech in a dream and he actually listened to the Lord. But he ends up in this story not only getting back his wife, Rebecca, but then it says that Abimelech told him, told his people, that is, in verse 15, 11, that is, anyone who mistreats this man and his wife shall surely be put to death. So get this, the foreigner who Abraham was, who just people come in and just take his women, not only was given permission to be in the land now, but his son Isaac, by the kings of the earth, if you will, is now given protection. And then it goes on and says that Isaac had so much protection, he planted crops. And so this is the first time that we see the people of God, that is, in the story, start planting crops, if you will. And so he plants crops, and it says that he, so he must have felt peace enough to do that, and he reaped a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him. And in fact, he blessed him so much that the people of Abimelech said, hey, move away from us. You're becoming too powerful. Move away. And in fact, if you keep reading on the story, Abimelech and his, his entourage, if you will, show up one day at Isaac's doorstep, and they basically say, hey, um, 
you know, we, we told, remember how we were nice to you? Uh, we're seeing you getting really, really powerful. Let's make a treaty. And so sure enough, they make a treaty, a very formal covenantal treaty that says, I'm going to protect you, you're going to protect me, and we're not going to harm each other. And so what's miraculous about this story is at this point you've seen this transition from Abram, this, the wandering sojourner in a land where he can be mistreated, and then all of a sudden by the time his son Isaac comes around, not only is he in the land, not only is he protected in the land, people are making trees with him. And yet in both these stories, there's this kind of area where people are in this gray, shady area of two bad choices, and so they make this choice that doesn't seem right. It's something you don't post on your social media for sure. And yet the Lord has a plan and is still working through it. Now, we looked at that idea last week that the Lord is going to okay, he's going to make the plan happen, right? That Pharaoh, Abimelech, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Rebecca, none of them can foil this plan, right? That God has made his promise and he's going to bring Jesus Christ to this world and he's starting with this family that's going to turn into a nation and that nation's going to turn into a country, if you will, and that country is going to turn into the place where Jesus is born to bring salvation to the earth. Yet I have to wonder when Isaac and Abraham had time to just sit quietly at night and think about the Lord's blessing in their life. You have to wonder if they ever thought, you know what? I don't deserve this. In fact, when they were around people and doing different things, if they ever thought to themselves, I haven't really truly earned any of this favor of the Lord. And in fact, as these three stories that we've been talking about the last week and through this week, those bonehead mistakes, right? I mean, at least the first story, God and, and, and you know, is just getting to, or that is, I should say, Abraham is just getting to know God, and so you kind of have some leeway there where He's learning how. By the second story, when Abraham tells it to his wife, he knows God pretty well. Like, he should have this down of, like, God's got my back. This is okay. But yet, he still makes the lie. And then Isaac, who's been seeing the promise through Abraham, and God showed up again and said, hey, just stay here, and I'm going to bless you. And promised him. And yet, Isaac still, instead of trusting the Lord, chooses to lie to protect himself. And you see this frailty over and over again. And this boneheaded mistakes, if you will, by this time. And again, that first time, maybe you can make amends, but by the second and third time, they should know God's got this, right? And that God has promised them, and they can trust in those promises. And I think about Abraham, who was alive at the time, but if he had known how he passed on to the next generation, that ability to fear for oneself instead of trusting in what God had said, God's salvation as we said, can't be thwarted. But they must have thought to themselves, man, I don't deserve this. And in fact, that's the good news. Because they didn't. They didn't at all. In fact, when you read in Scripture time and time again, God reminds the Israelites, God reminds the Jews in Jesus' day, God, Jesus even reminds the people uh, in his teachings, you don't deserve it. You don't at all because it's grace and it's offered freely to you just be obedient and you shall receive it see God's salvation was at work even from the beginning of these stories lives were already changing and I'm amazed that when you think back and you look at the story of Pharaoh then you look at Abimelech the first go around you look at Abimelech the second go around they're changed men even by the way 
that these you know, patriarchs are not truly behaving like the patriarchs you would hope to in the, in the column of faith, if you will, in these moments. And yet God's still working through and changing the whole entire world around them and changing hearts and showing his power to those that they're around. You know, there's probably many of us here today that quite honestly struggle with that idea of, you know what? And you say to yourself, I don't deserve it. And in fact, I know when I first came to Christ, uh, one of the hardest things for me to understand and really kind of grasp, I'd clung to Christ, and, and you've heard that story before, but well, not walk. It was several years of just struggling with the idea of, I really don't deserve this. And yet that's the point. Because none of us deserve it at all. The promise of God can't be thwarted. And if you're here today and you say, you know what, I have messed up, I have had boneheaded mistake after mistake, or I've made choice after choice, or you know what, I've known the Lord and I know well, but yet I still have made decisions and past things in my life that I just can't get over. Guess what? You never deserved it in the first place. You haven't messed it up. God's promise is faithful and true. You just have to receive it and to believe it. And if you're bold enough to do so, if you're bold enough to be obedient and receive in faith that blessing of God that's promised will come through not only you and change your heart and your life and continue to work on you as he worked on these patriarchs time and time again, but it's also going to overflow into those people's lives around you. And the kings of the earth who just take what they want, stop and pause, and stop later on to bless. Because they see the Lord's work through you, the blessing that comes to you, and they realize this person wasn't the best, but they're a prophet of God. And they stand for God, and God is blessing them. And you know what? I'm not messing with that God, or even I want some of what that God has. And so you become a blessing to the nations as God had promised and yet none of it was deserved. Glory to God who blesses even those who don't deserve it. Whose promises are true, who cannot be blundered to the point of losing. Our God is faithful and true. Let us pray. Lord, as we're here today, we thank you so much for your word, for your scripture. And as we think about these stories of Abraham and Sarah, of Isaac and Rebekah. Again, Lord, there's so many other points in these stories that we've kind of overshadowed here today by the story that we're looking at now. Yet, Lord, we do know that in these moments, they're not exactly moments to be proud of. And yet, Lord, you still use them because they were obedient to listen to you, to stay in the land and to cling to you above all else. And so, God, as we hear today, we may not have our lives straight. We may not have anything going right in our life at all. But, God, your promise is that if we cling to you, the promise and the blessing comes. We pray this in your name. Amen.